Romans chapter 6 verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Sorry, I've lost my place entirely. Verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised for the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. I had a, one of my worst nightmares, which happened a couple of times, having all my, the, the sheets of my message completely mismatched. And that's happened a couple of times. And, and trying to get it into order, it's, it's yeah, never a fun thing. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that, Lord, you would prepare our hearts. Lord, we are aware that there's all sorts of distractions that, that you say on your word that actually... Satan will try and pluck the words, your words, out of our heart. And so, Lord, knowing there is even a spiritual battle on this morning to even hear what you have to say, we plead that you would open our hearts. We plead that what I would say would not be uh, man-made rules or traditions or my thoughts, but would be you, you, you and whatever illustrations I use would... Uh, lift your word higher in our hearts. O come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some people think that Christians, make sure I've got the mic on, are sin obsessed, that we always talk about sin. Well, if you've come to church thinking that, then that's awesome, because in this next part of the series of Romans, we're going to more than exceed your expectations. We're going to be talking lots about sin. I mean, are, are you already feeling excited? Yeah, it's great. And so we're continuing with our series on the Romans. And over the next two chapters of Romans, which Jason started the week before Easter, Paul goes into the whole area of sin, our victory over sin, and our necessity to subdue it through that victory that he has won on the cross. And so because God's word looks at this in this area of sin, over the next two chapters, that's what we are going to look at over the next wee while. So this passage of scripture has what seems to me at least to be this clear picture that Christ's victory on the cross has means that we have victory over sin. Let's listen to it again. Since we've been united with him in his death, we'll also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. 
But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. So our, oh, this is the whole thing. You get to see these words. Our old pre-Jesus sinful nations, uh, natures crucified. We're no longer slaves to sin. Before there was all this power. We couldn't uh, will the good in our lives. But now that, that we've died with Christ, we're set free with the power of sin by the work he's done. When he died, he, he died once to break this power. And so we should reckon ourselves, consider ourselves dead to the power of sin and alive in Christ. It's pretty clear. Jesus died on the cross, so we're no longer under the power of sin. But wait, if that's the case, why do I, and to a greater or lesser extent, every other Christian still struggles with sin? If we're free from sin, why do some Christians still feel enslaved to particular besetting sins? It could be a lifelong struggle with anger. And you look back on your life and think, wow, the times I lost my cool. And you think you've gotten on top of it and then an event happens and you never knew what was inside your heart. Or it could be greed, a lifetime pursuit, and you just can't help yourselves with the next materialistic good. And Jesus talks more about greed than he talks about sexual morality. But most Christians don't think they struggle with greed. We need to ponder our hearts. Are we really struggling with materialism? Or perhaps it's bitterness. And unforgiveness, looking at the hurts of those who have done to you. Perhaps it's been a minister in the past, a person in the church, or someone else in your family, and you've got a hard heart this morning, and you struggle with those feelings of bitterness and resentment. Or perhaps it's some form of lust, such as a pornography addiction. So how does that passage work when, when the Christian feels caught in a constant cycle of sin and repentance? In William Wilberforce's diary, he said, uh, he put it in his notes, I don't know what sin it was, but he put it and said, oh, Lord, I'm making a job, out of, like a full-time job out of sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent. Lord, when will I be free? <laughs> William Wilberforce puts in his diary. I thought, I hear you, brother, I hear you. And so often stuck in that sidewalk leads to an underlying feeling of being defeated by sin. So despair sets even and even cynicism in a hardened heart. This faith thing in Christ isn't freeing me from my sin. I'm just a failure as a Christian. Now, of course, we know there'll be no one here at St. Andrews who's in that situation because we're all here awesome on the holiness front, aren't we? But perhaps you know someone who's struggling with besetting sins. And for them, this message is good for you to listen into. You can tell them all about it. So how do we square the circle of this text? If the believer has given their heart to the Lord so they're dead to sin, then why does sin very feel, feel very much still alive in the heart of the believer? Answer, we live in a now but not yet time victory over sin. Let me give an analogy, uh, a story from World War II. And before I give the analogy, let me say I'm not in any way uh, saying that the United Kingdom and America are good and godly nations. Uh, you know, They're they imperfect nations like any other nation. So don't read into. It's just an analogy. In 1940 and 1941, the UK and the Commonwealth were effectively alone against Nazi Germany. 
By most accounts, they stood little chance. The Great Britain stood little chance against the combined power of Germany and Italy, which had conquered nearly all of Europe. Britain was being starved by a U-boat campaign and was living effectively paycheck to paycheck. If the boats failed to get through, millions of Britons would starve. Britain had lost a number of battles in France, Greece, Crete, Norway, North Africa, to name a few. And the UK was absolutely desperate to get the rising superpower, the United States, to join the war. History records that Churchill was communicating with Roosevelt two to three times every single week, talking to him, cajoling him, wooing him. As you know, Winston Churchill had a way with words, and he was using every bit of his words to get Roosevelt on side. And to give, it, to give an anecdote of how absolutely desperate the UK was. Remember, the UK was, a, was seen to be a superpower. The king was the top. In 1941, the USA sent a new ambassador, Ambassador Jill Winnett, to be appointed to the UK. Ambassadors, they're just like mid-level bureaucrats in the State Department. But when he arrived in the UK, there was this red carpet, and there was a special train just laid out for him. And when they arrived, the UK was thinking, who could we get as the chauffeur to take him to the palace? What would would give a sense of our desperation, desire to win him. So to get the person they had for the first time in history as the chauffeur for a mere ambassador was the king himself. The king himself, you can Google it, in fact, had arrived himself to take the ambassador to the palace. I imagine, actually, that the ambassador wasn't quite in the back seat, but they probably wrote both on the front seat. And the king used it as an opportunity for a quiet chat while they drove up to the palace. But the UK was desperate. Yeah, so it humbled itself. Yet until Japan attacked Pearl Harbor and sunk the US fleet there, and then Germany, Japan's ally, declared war against the United States, the USA didn't actually join in. But when Pearl Harbor happened, everything changed. And interestingly, when you have a look at Winston Churchill's diary on the day, yes, he was appalled at the loss of human life. He is a human being. But this, he was exhilarated. This is what he said. Uh, I think he said, being saturated and sated with emotion and sensation, I went to bed and slept for the first time the sleep of the saved and thankful. Why did he do that on that day, the saved and thankful? The war's still on. <laughs> There's plenty more because he knew that with the United States and also the Soviet Union and all of that arrayed against Germany, they couldn't help but win. So there's overwhelming sense of gratitude. Do you remember the time you gave your life to Christ? The, the feelings of the saved and thankful. Wonderful feeling. So he knew that there would be many difficult days ahead of him, and, but ultimately, the, with the entire of the United States, America behind Britain, they would ultimately prevail. Victory was assured, so he could sleep the sleep of the saved and thankful, but there would be many battles yet to come. It is exactly the same with the cross. With Jesus' birth, his, his life, and above all, his death and resurrection, he has entered the war. Final victory is assured. The devil is defeated. His doom is certain. And one day, every true believer, we will be 100% sanctified, pure, holy. No longer will I struggle with anger. No longer will I struggle with lust or pride or materialism. All those besetting things that create despair and frustration of, oh, I've mucked it up again. There is a victory assured and it is coming because Jesus has entered the battle and he's died on my behalf. Hallelujah. 
we can sleep the sleep of the saved and thankful. But to use the analogy, we live between the time of the United States entering the war and victory in Europe Day or victory in Japan Day. It's a now but not yet, which is why we still see defeats in our personal lives with sin and also in churches and the Christian faith globally. Why is the church so a mess? Why is my life a mess at times? Because we are now but not yet. Just as the fall of Singapore and actually the greatest defeats happened after the United States joined the war, individually there can be tragic, heartbreaking defeats, but God's ultimate victory is assured. So if we live in this now but not yet time, what should our attitude be to our remaining sin? Paul says the words, consider yourselves, reckon yourselves dead to sin. As an act of the will, crucify it, die to it. Thinking of the UK after uh, the United States entered the war, did the UK say, well, thankfully the Americans are coming, we can sit down and we can have a party and just relax? Did they do that? No. They redoubled their efforts, spent more money, bankrupted their economy. I heard they just paid off the last part of the debt for World War II about two years ago. So they, they, really, they really bankrupted themselves. They went all in to join in to get that victory. Right, And so we see this analogy, and Jesus gives us this picture and again and again and again. Jesus gives parables of servants, two types of servants. Servants who are embarrassed to know the king versus ones who proclaim him fearlessly. Are you embarrassed to know Jesus this morning? Are you embarrassed to be a Christian? Increasingly, there's, there's cultural pressure on Christ, against Christians. Uh, are you a servant who buries the talents versus ones who use what they're given? Are there servants who are alert and waiting and serving versus servants who are partying and doing what they want? There are servants who know there's a war on and they are serving their king in the midst of it versus ones who are showing cowardness and laziness. Parable after parable. Then there's top of the, all these biblical metaphors of us being citizens of a kingdom at war with another kingdom. We are at war this morning, but it's a spiritual war. Do you know that you're at war with sin? That as a Christian, we are to fight our sin. Jesus gives the image, and it is an image, of us being willing to chop off an arm if it causes us to sin. Do whatever it takes. We're to pray for those around us, forgive those who hurt us, extend the kingdom, heal the sick, and tell the good news. We have a mission. Now, I get it. This is an image in the Bible is very different from middle-class Christianity in the West. People just come along right, to church. They want to sing a few songs, have some good values, have a morning tea, and get on living life their own way. But are you after middle-class religion, or are you after a biblical faith that seizes your heart this morning? What sort of faith? Is your faith shaped by the culture or by the Word of God? And so this picture of this text of Christians who love the Lord, having a confidence from the victory that he's won, knowing we're going to win. Isn't that great? We're on the winning side. Yes, I've had a fall in Singapore in my life or a loss of Tobruk or some of the other defeats. I've got humble, shameful stumblings in my life. But do you know what? Satan does not get the victory, the final victory. Jesus Christ does. And I am saved, I am forgiven, and I've got a crown to gain. That's the hope. 
What a glorious hope. So John Piper puts it this way. Don't let your death with Christ in your, in, in your new life in Christ cause you to shrink back from making war on your sin as though that conflict should not be happening. Rather, let your death with Christ and your newness in Christ be the happy, confident ground where you take your stand and put to death the sin that remains. This is not a Christian quote. It's from Sun Tzu. He's a warrior back from thousands of years ago in China. But he says this, victorious warriors win first, then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first, trying to find a way to win. We've won in Christ. He's given us the victory. When we go to war, we go as victorious. And yes, that victory will only finally be complete on the day he returns. But we fight sin, not as defeated warriors, but as victorious kingdom Christians with Jesus at our side. Who are, and we're growing in our love of the Lord and his word. So it's a bit of a now, but not yet. But as I finish, perhaps there's someone here this morning who gets this whole now, but not yet picture, but it still hurts. You're still keenly feeling the lost battles against sin. And you're wanting a key for increasing victory over sin and an increasing passion for the Lord. So what I want to bring to you, just for you, is an international speaker, John Piper. And just for a couple of minutes, he's going to be on the screen in a moment. He's going to give a key for this victory in this now but not yet time. And he's also going to give us some reasons for why we struggle, why does God just not fix us now, <laughs> right? I've said that. I, why, why not just, I'm going to be that then. Why not do it now? <laughs> and so we're going to bring him in. And what is the text he's just talking about is this. It's from 2 Corinthians 4, and it's about the word renew. This is why we never go up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. He's talking about, yes, we're made new in Christ, <laughs> Brand new creations, but every single day we need to renew. Without any further ado, we'll play it. So only for a couple of minutes. Notice the implications of this word renewed. We are being renewed every day. If you are being renewed every day, what does that imply? It implies hope fades. Encouragement wanes. Your bucket leaks. I find that unbelievably encouraging. That the Apostle Paul says, I've got a secret. And it isn't a secret of how never to need renewal. You can have an experience... Don't need renewal anymore. That's not the message. In fact, the message is unbelievably realistic. Day by day, renew. Which means every day you leak. Every day you fade. Every day you get depleted. That's what it says. You wouldn't need to be renewed day by day if you could run your car on yesterday's gas. If your metabolism could function on yesterday's meal. If the pain in your head could be relieved on yesterday's dosage. You can't run today's life on yesterday's newness. 
This is just huge. Those of you who've been Christians a while, you just know this. You're thinking, oh, yeah, I know. If you're a new believer, this is one of the most important things you can learn in your life. Because it's so easy to think on the highs that come with Jesus moving into your life is that I've found it, I've risen, I'm, I'm there, I'm flying on eagle's wings. You won't be. So, so you got to find ways to put the air under your wings every day. And he says, I, I know how to do that. That's the secret I'm after here. I don't want to lose heart. Not a day. I want the secret of being renewed every day. Not a week, not a month. I want every day. I want to figure this out so that I can walk like this. I know life is going to be a battle. That's the implication of renew. So, Paul, I really, really want what you say you have. And you say it takes renewing. And I ask myself the question, since this, is a, this conference is under the banner, Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. And I asked God, I said to him, God, is there something in this text that would just give me a clue? Why did you set it up this way, that I have to be renewed every day? I mean, you, you could have just bumped me up to maximum sanctification and kept me there. You know how I know he could? Because he's going to do it when Jesus comes back. I'll never sin again after Jesus comes back. So why am I sinning now? I mean, Lord, just do that. You're going to do it then? Just do it now. And he says, not the plan. And, and to just go back and borrow the text from this morning, we have this treasure in jars of clay for a reason clay that needs to be renewed every day, clay that can't stand on its own longer than 24 hours or on yesterday's grace for 24 hours so that the surpassing power will belong to God. And you can get in God's face about this and say, I don't like the plan. I don't like the plan that you leave me unsanctified and battling every way, every day with depletion, having to be renewed on grace every day. I don't like the plan. I'd just like to be done with the battle. And he'd say, well, that's the plan. And the reason it's the plan, I've given you some clues. I'm going to get some glory in your life. If you didn't do it this way, you know what? You'd get uppity about it. You'd think you had it made. You'd think it would start coming from you. The fact that you run out of gas every day puts you in the station. That's me. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages, sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump, lest we forget where the gas comes from. So... I'll give an example of a friend of mine about the Renew. So my friend in Nelson, he was going through severe marital uh, issues. It ended up, actually, he got divorced. And uh, it, was, it was a, you could say it was a fall of Singapore event in his life. It was a huge crushing defeat and uh, an area of his life that, that's never got better in that sense. 
and it, it, it stayed with him. And during that, during that horrendous, horrible time where he felt such a failure, he was struggling with so much, and there was judgmental Christians, it was just a very, very, very painful season. What he did was to renew his mind. He filled his house with Christian worship music all the time. He was listening to Christian podcasts. He would read the word of God. He absolutely pressed in to the Lord. Yes, he knew that Jesus got a victory, that in Christ he is forgiven, he is healed, he is set free, that none of those failures, when God looks at him, he doesn't see those failures. He sees Jesus Christ. But he has a victory to win, and every day he needed to renew. And when a text message would come in from his ex, or there would be a statement, or a person from the family would say something, and, and, and he would just have the wave of emotion, the sense of failure, in that moment he was being depleted, he needed to renew. And so this morning, I asked the question, if Christ has won the victory, and if we've got a victory over sin, then why are we still struggling this morning? And I asked it as we're in a now but not yet time. The next thing I asked is what should your attitude be in this now but not yet time? Slacking off, just doing middle class religion, or re- pressing in to God and believing that actually that the Lord gave all these parables. Reckon yourself, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Fight it. And I, then I asked, well, maybe some people, how would you do that? And I gave him a key, a key this morning, one key. We're going to, over the next few weeks, as I said, you're really excited. We're looking at sin for the next couple of months. Aren't you guys excited by that? That's what the Word of God's doing. That's what we're going to be doing over the next couple of months. But one key today is renew. And you can renew your mind through the Word of God. And I'm not promising. I have read the Word of God, pressed into the Word of God, had an amazing devotion, then had a fight about half an hour later. I was like, the Lord? So sometimes my renewal lasts me about five minutes. <laughs> Just saying. It's like there's old hymns, I need thee every hour. I think, wow, those Christians were amazing. They, they survived the whole hour. <laughs> How do they do that? I'm like, I need thee every 33 seconds and a half. But there is there a renewal that comes from pressing into the word of God. And so we need to know in Christ we have the victory. Our eyes are upon him knowing that we can sleep the sleep of the saved and thankful. But like Winston Churchill, we've still got a war on and we have to fight. Does it make sense? Are you with me? Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And I pray that this morning, every single believer and saint here who truly loves you would hear this morning's message. It would have sunk into their hearts this morning. And they would be about your work growing in holiness and sanctification. That their marriages would be marked with increasing grace and favor if they're married. Their relationships with their children and those around them. That you would lift off the sense of despair over the fall of Singapore's in their life or whatever other defeats they've had. And that their eyes would be on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that you would help every single person to renew their lives in you every day, to grow in holiness, and that, Lord, you would truly get the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.